Good morning, church. Now, I had to tell you this. Uh, I didn't do this first service because it didn't happen until after first service. But there was uh, a family here. Their oldest son, who knows my son Garrett uh, from Midlothian, uh, was here for the first time. And as I got up to preach, he was telling me the story afterwards. He leaned over to his mom. He's like, you know, that guy could be Garrett Hall's dad. <laughs> and she said, it is Garrett's dad. <laughs> Sorry for him. Good for me, I guess. Now, most of you guys know that I was in the Air Force for about eight years and uh, enjoyed my time serving my country. It was a great time uh, to, to be in uniform and, and to serve during the Desert Storm, Desert Shield uh, era. era. Uh, went to basic in 1989. I just dated myself, I know, a little bit there. Uh, but what, one of the cool things about basic training is that there are people that come in from all parts of the country. And uh, a flight in the Air Force is a, a group of 50 guys, and so I'm a part of this 50-guy group. And they're coming from the north part of America, the southern part of America, from the west coast, then the east coast. They're coming from all over, and they, they have different names for different things uh, than we do in the south, up north, and vice versa. Uh, it was just an interesting montage of people coming together. And the first week we're together, we are not in unison. We are not together. We don't take care of one another. And it's the drill instructor's job to kind of tear us down and then rebuild us. And by the time the seventh week of basic comes around, we are looking sharp together. We're marching well together. We're in uniform together. We're kind of helping each other get through the, the difficult moments Moments when we are, are sorry that we're, we've left home and we're feeling alone. Uh, when we're going through the obstacle course, we're encouraging one another. And what we find is that we actually belong to one another at the end of that training period. We support one another. And that's what Paul is telling us in the letter to the Galatian churches, is that as followers of Jesus Christ, as disciples of Christ, guess what? We belong to family. We are belonging to one another. And that is a great picture for us to see as we live out life here on earth. Paul is in chapter 1 reporting and, and reminding us that there are some who bought into this fake gospel versus the real gospel. We'll look more into that next week. I hope you'll come back. We'll be in chapter 4 next week. Today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. I hope you got your Bibles with you. But in chapter 1, he's, he's reporting, he says, look, some of you bought into this fake gospel that says uh, you have to do some things in order to be saved, to, to be found righteous in God's eyes. And in chapter 2, Paul reveals there is nothing you can do to be righteous. A church, we're made righteous because we're found in Jesus Christ. It's Jesus that has made us perfect, made us righteous, made us right with God. And Paul wants us to know that as his people. And in chapter 3, he continues to talk about this justification by faith, but he ends up talking about how we belong to the family of God. We're part of this bigger group that have come together, and in unison, we are praising God's name, living out our life in Jesus Christ. Now, we're living in some interesting times right now in America. Over the last few decades, what research has shown us is that no matter what denomination you're a part of, no matter what the name is over the door of any particular church, that our membership, those that are wanting to come together, is in decline. And we're in this period of what some are calling this DIY Christianity, 
Folks who would say, look, I am spiritual, I believe in Jesus Christ, but I don't need a church to be a Christian. I can do this on my own. I don't need to belong to a larger family of believers. I can journey by myself. And what's interesting in our, our New Testament is that you will not find that idea in the New Testament. Church, we need each other. We've got to journey together. We've got to encourage and hold each other up. We've got to say, you know what, I belong to you and you belong to me because of what Christ has done for us. And that's been God's plan all along. John Stott in his book, uh, the, the Radical Disciple, says it this way. The plan was conceived in past eternity, being worked out in history, and to be perfected in a future eternity is not just to save isolated individuals and so perpetuate our loneliness, but rather to build his church, that is, to call out of the world a people for his own glory. And so God's plan the whole time is that Jesus would come, would establish the church, the second incarnation of Christ, that's what that is, and we as the family of God are part of that family of believers. That's been his plan the entire time. And if you look at how the New Testament church did life together, they were extremely relational. They were up in each other's business on more than just Sunday morning. We lived life together in that first century. We were connected to one another. And a disciple without a church family to be a part of it can be likened to, in, in our current culture, where we're at right now in the fall of the year, it'd be like a football player not having a football team to play with, just kind of throwing the ball to himself. It'd be like a, a businesswoman having no business to take care of. It would be like a, a CEO who doesn't have any CEOing to do. <laughs> a disciple is someone who is part of a family. And in chapter 3, Paul is walking through this justification by faith or how we're made right with God because of what Jesus has done for us. Nothing that we've done on our own. We owe everything, church, to Jesus Christ. He is so much for us. And Paul is trying to remind that the churches in Galatia and us today that all the barriers have been taken down. We don't have to do anything to be right before God. The Jewish law had 613 moral codes that the Jew had to live up to. Can you imagine trying to keep those every day of your life? I'm, I'm going to imagine that all of us here are going to drop the ball on occasion. And when you do, you have to go make a sacrifice at the temple. But everyone now has come into a right relationship with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Jews and Gentiles both have been brought together and everybody, everybody belongs to the family of God. This morning in our reading, we'll be in Galatians chapter 3 to kick things off in verse 23. And after our reading, I want to point out to you four different ideas that would remind you of why you belong to the family of God. Some important things that Paul reveals to us in his writing about why we're part of the family. So let's read our text, verse 23, beginning. Before the faith, the way of faith of, in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, uh, until the way of faith was revealed. Let, let me put it a different way. The law was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith in Christ Jesus 
And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, longhorn or sooner. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Put that in there. For, For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you too. Church, that's a moment where we can say, hallelujah, amen. The barriers have been taken away. And it doesn't matter what your heritage were, who your parents were. We all have the ability to be members of the family of God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so the first idea that I want to give to you based upon Paul's writing is this. I belong because I believe. I belong because I believe in a risen Savior, in the gospel story. I believe because of of what God's done for me through his son, Jesus Christ, and I belong because of that belief. Skip back a couple of pages in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Paul goes on to say it like this. We know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law, And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Jump over to chapter 3 and verse 2. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Well, of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? And Paul is trying to point out there are those in the Galatia area from Jewish heritage that are trying to make everybody do what they had to do early on to be with Christ or to be right with God. And Paul is saying, that's all been done away with. Now Jesus is the new measure, and he's already made everyone right. Take a look at verse 5. So, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Well, of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham, then, are those who put their faith in God. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would declare the Gentiles to be right because of their faith. And God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing Abraham received because of his faith. Paul is letting us know that all the barriers have been taken away. That we all get to belong to the family of God because we believe I don't belong because I've accomplished something or I do something or I've got my clipboard and I'm making check marks beside the things that I have done. I belong, church, because I believe in Jesus Christ. And my belief gives me that inclusion. Here's one of the beauties of the gospel message. So many of us believe that I've got to clean my act up 
before I can move toward God. But the gospel says, no, no, you come to God and he's going to clean your act up through Jesus Christ. Praise be to God for that. It's not just this also belief in this higher power. And by the way, that, that is what the good news is, that God cleans us up through Jesus Christ. But faith isn't this generic thing. It's not just some belief, but it's also this transformative work in the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we're different people because of the faith we have in Christ and what he's done for us. It changes the way we live, how we behave, what we say. The Greek word that Paul uses in our text is the word pisteo. And the idea is that, is that you are standing flat-footed, both feet in one spot, and you're saying, this is it. I believe with all my heart, this is the thing that moves me and shakes me. And I'm not moving off of that spot. That's what that kind of faith is really all about. I'm going to adhere to what God's called me to in his son, Jesus Christ. I trust God to do what he said that he has planned to do. Faith is not just acknowledging that God exists, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit after that faith is confessed to work out in your life so that you're a different person. It's more than just faith. When I was in the Air Force during Desert Storm, I was a, an Air Force rigger, which means I packed parachutes. I loaded cargo onto planes. And by the way, I never lost one person because I had a bad parachute because my parachutes were for cargo, not people. So I can, I can claim that. <laughs> But they're these big G12s, and so they weigh about 100 pounds each. Uh, and I, I learned every aspect about that parachute, the cords and, and how to swim them into the container and then, then pack them onto the cargo, tie everything down, and then I would load that stuff onto airplanes, which would eventually be airborne, and then it would come out the back. You've seen pictures of that cargo coming down with parachutes attached. That's what I did during the, during the war. You know, it's interesting because I absolutely have faith in parachutes. It's a totally different thing to put a parachute on and jump out of the plane, right? I know that it works, but that's a different level of faith. And Paul is calling us to that as well. He says, look, you can have faith and you should have faith, but it should also lead to a different kind of life for you. You should be a different person because of what Christ has done for you. I belong to the family of God because I believe, but I also belong to the family of God because I've been baptized. Look at verse 27 in our text. For all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Some 87 times in our New Testament, the term you are in Christ is mentioned. How in the world can I put on Christ if I am in Christ? I want to give you a, a history lesson a little bit on, on baptism right now. We've got lots of historical evidence on what baptisms looked like in the first couple of hundred years of the church. You're going to be very glad we don't do this at Crosspoint. We baptize at Crosspoint, but not this way. <laughs> so there's a baptismal font, and there are steps going down into the water, and then steps coming out the other side on the water. And the church gathers around a particular person who want to, wants to confess their faith in Christ and be baptized into him and start their spiritual journey, infused with the Holy Spirit. And so as they stand around the baptismal font and the elder at the church is preparing to baptize the person, he's waiting in the water, the person to be baptized then takes off all of their old clothes and they stand naked before the church. They walk down into the water 
where he receives their confession. They're baptized, and when they come up out the other side, there's a white robe that others put on them, symbolizing their new life in Christ. Aren't you glad we don't do that at Crosspoint? <laughs> I got a feeling baptisms would go way down <laughs> if that might be the way we do it. But it's a beautiful symbolism of removing the old self and taking on the new life that Christ has for us. In, in Rome, many dads, of, of course, had young boys growing up in their home, in the adolescence, and a dad would always give their son an adolescent toga. It had special piping on it, so when they were out in public, everyone in the community knew that this is really a kid. Now, when they became an adult male by society's measures, the father would take off the adolescent toga and put on him an adult male toga. So when he left the house and went out into the marketplace, everyone knew that is an adult member of our society. And when we say yes to Jesus, we do kind of the same thing. We take off our old self and we're wrapped in Jesus Christ. And so our actions in the world around us should reflect the fact that we belong to the family of God. It should move us to want to be differently. When we believe in Jesus, we put Jesus on symbolically by standing with him in his death, his burial under that water, and then come up a brand new creation, resurrected to new life, and then infused with the Holy Spirit as we begin our journey. Why be baptized anyway? Well, the first reason is because Jesus commanded us to. I want to follow Jesus. How about you? Definitely. But it also identifies us with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It gives us new birth. It unites us in the gospel story. So I become a, a member of the family of God by, first of all, believing in Jesus Christ. But then I'm also baptized into Jesus Christ. And I become a member of the family. I belong because I'm also part of the blended family, the greater family. Look at verse 28. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The church is a blended family. Jesus has all of the social barriers that exist for each and every one of us, all the ethnic barriers, all the social barriers, everything that stands in the way of us being in Christ together. All the gender barriers are removed. A great story that sometimes is hard for us to get our head wrapped around is a letter that's actually in our New Testament called a wealthy landowner and a slave owner who is part of the church at Colossae. And we know about this letter because in Colossians chapter 4, we realize that a guy by the name of Tychicus, who's working with Paul, has that letter in his pouch as he's escorting Onesimus back to Philemon. Now, what we realize in Philemon is that he has a runaway slave. So the landowner has a runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus, as he's journeying away, he runs into Paul, who teaches him the gospel. He's baptized into Christ, starts his spiritual journey. And Paul says, the right thing for you to do is to go back to Philemon and make things right. He is your own. He, he bought you. He is your owner. And so they head back. And now you've got the slave owner with his slave that are part of the same church. And Paul is saying that barrier is gone away. Now you are brothers in Christ. 
It's kind of hard for us to even get our head wrapped around. But understand, that's what Jesus did when he came. All of the social barriers that exist between us are now gone. Now, we still have male and female in our audience. We still have folks with big bank accounts and small bank accounts. We still have folks who root for winning teams and others who don't. <laughs> but in Christ, there are no distinctions. The point of the church is that there are no favoritism. There's no favored status. No one is closer to God than anyone else. What Jesus did, Paul is saying, is removed every barrier that exists in our culture. And it was hard for that first century leadership team to get their head wrapped around. Cale mentioned last week that Peter and Paul kind of had a little tiff because there were Jewish leaders that were Christians coming and he decided to sit at a different dinner table than the Greeks because he didn't want to give any misrepresentation and Paul called him out on it. And remember, in Christ, you can't be doing that kind of stuff. We're a blended family now. It doesn't matter where you came from, who your parents were, what your heritage is. It doesn't matter. In Christ, we are all the same. See, I'm I belong because I believe in Jesus. I belong because I've been baptized into Christ. I, I belong because I'm part of the blended family, but I also belong because I'm a beneficiary of every promise that God has got to give us. Look at verse 29. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs also to you. Church, you are an heir of God. You are a son of the king. You're a daughter of the king. And our God owns everything in this universe. That makes you also the owner of everything in the universe. That's an incredible story for us to tell. And if we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15, what we begin to see is that, that God counted Abraham righteous because of his faith, because of his belief. And then in Romans 4, Paul says, Paul it says that Abraham is the father of all who believe. See, my Bible tells me that I'm part of the family of God. And it entitles me to all the benefits that the family has to offer. You know, in our family, we, we believe in not sitting on the sideline, but getting involved in everything that needs to happen in the Hall family. And the church is much the same way. It's an invitation into being a part of all the happenings that, that go on in the church family, not to sit on the sideline. I remember when our boys were in junior high and high school, they had chores to do around the house. It wasn't come home and jump on the PlayStation at the time, two, PlayStation 2. But no, there's chores to do. Sometimes it's mow the grass. Sometimes it's load the dishwasher. Sometimes, well, let me take that back. Every single week, I had to tell them twice a week that you take the trash to the curb. Anybody else have that problem? I mean, it happens the same day every week. You got to tell them. But they're part of the family. That means chores. My mom moved in with us in 2017. And because she's part of the family, she insists on cooking for us a couple of times a week. And we go, well, okay, if you're going to do it. <laughs> sure. She's part of the family. A couple of summers ago, my dad called me and said, hey, I'd like you to come build a deck onto my house. So I called my two brothers and we showed up and we built a deck on the front of his house because that's what family does. Part of the church family is no different. It's not a call to just come on Sunday morning or sit on the sideline, but get involved in the kingdom story and telling the kingdom story in lots of different ways. 
And one of those places you can get started is in a connect group, a small group. It's an opportunity to, to jump in and start belonging. And we kind of model that New Testament church paradigm here. In Acts chapter 2, we notice that the church met in the temple courts. And we kind of do that's big church. And then they met in each other's homes to break bread, to eat together, uh, to pray together, encourage one another. That's kind of their small group in the home. And we do that here as well. On Sunday mornings, we get together, all of us, to celebrate the empty tomb and to praise Jesus for what he's done for us. We come together in that big context. But there's also an opportunity throughout the course of the week to gather in smaller venues, to dig into the Word, to see how we're called to live, to pray for one another, encourage each other on the journey. Christ, Christ is the one who draws us all together. And you may not be a part of a family, but Jesus invites you to be a part of his family. And you can belong because you believe in what he's done. You, you can belong because you've been baptized into his name. You can belong to a blended family that brings all kinds of giftedness to the table. And you're also a beneficiary of everything that God has promised through the course of time. I'm going to go ahead and ask our shepherds and their wives to gather along the, the wall of this room. And as we sing this next song, I want to encourage you to seek one of those couples out that you can pray with and pray, pray for and let them pray for you. There's some of us who've never said yes to Jesus Christ. You don't know the great things you can have in Christ Jesus. And so I want to challenge you this morning that you think about your journey and your walk. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I hope today that you will. If you've never been baptized into his name, I hope today you'll make that decision to do so. And in doing so, you will reap all of the glorious things that Christ wants to offer you as a member of his family. So let's stand together with one voice and praise his holy name.